And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Ian Richard is an investigative journalist, the network television reporter, news director, and former number one rated national talk show host in New Zealand and very sought after international talk show guest. Ian, welcome to Coast to Coast. How are you, sir? Hi, I'm Ian Wishart, and this is Talking Matters, a show that goes beyond the headlines, tracking the cultural pulse of the country and the world. This is Talk Radio for Grown-Ups. Join us in just a moment. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Hi, and welcome to a very special edition of the Ian Wishart Show. Today we're exploring what I call totalitaria, or what is often referred to by others as the so-called New World Order. It's the stuff of late-night radio shows, and I refer to it as so-called because it is, right? Only conspiracy theorists use the phrase New World Order, or TV comedians showing pictures of people wearing tinfoil hats. Well, it's easy to get a few laughs out of an audience, but we laugh more to reassure ourselves, I think, than for any other reason. If you've ever watched a nature documentary, you know that those on the fringes of the herd are the first to see incoming predators, while those at the centre of the herd see nothing, and often don't know what the fuss is all about. We desperately, deep down, want to believe that there is no conspiracy, that there is no new world order, that everything is normal with the world, that totalitaria is not just around the corner. It can't be true, because that would literally mean our understanding of the world is fundamentally wrong. Well, if that's the journey you want to stay on, then turn off this broadcast now. Stick with what the mainstream media tell you and keep watching comedians make fun of those on the edges of the herd. In the language of the movie The Matrix, keep taking the blue pill. Everyone else, buckle up. We're taking a trip down the rabbit hole, and by the end of this program, you'll have a much better idea of how the world really works and what's really coming down the tunnel towards you. For those who don't know me, in just a moment I'll give you a little background. I offer it not to boast, but simply to head off at the past the disinformation attempts and ad hominem attacks that will be made. After that, you'll arguably hear one of the most revealing radio broadcasts in your life. I'm Ian Wishart. Back in a moment. He's been shot at, tear-gassed, mugged, arrested, electrocuted, and almost assassinated. And he still keeps coming back for more punishment. With more lives than a cat, you're listening to Investigate Daily's Ian Wishart on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Welcome back to this Talking Matters special edition. Okay, before we get down to business, who is Ian Wishart and what authority do I have to speak on these matters? In short, I'm a veteran investigative journalist, now well into my fourth decade in the news business. I began in radio, then got headhunted to be a political press secretary in 1986 for Mike Moore, who was then ranked as the number three minister in the New Zealand government responsible for overseas trade, behind the Prime Minister and his deputy. Mike went on to head the World Trade Organisation, incidentally. The position carried a top-secret security clearance, and I was privy to classified information on the diplomatic wires. 
I gained an incredible insight into how governments conduct business at the highest levels. But I wasn't happy as a media spin doctor, and soon returned to my passion of news journalism within the year, rising to the role of news director in the country's most popular radio station before joining TV. I worked for both of New Zealand's two major television networks as a reporter, investigative journalist and documentary maker. I rose to becoming chief of staff for the nightly network news on TV3. You couldn't get more mainstream media than that. But I stumbled on a story that literally became too hot to handle for TV3 and its Canadian owners Can West, who came under a power of government pressure to get me off the story. What I discovered in 1993 was a secret agreement, a, agreement called the UK-USA Treaty, which involved the USA, UK, New Zealand, Australia and Canada to intercept phone calls spying on the public. Twenty years later, the public would hear the same story told by NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden. The details of what I discovered are published in my first book, The Paradise Conspiracy. Now, in the past two decades, I've continued to work as a TV and radio host and as the editor of Investigate Magazine and Investigate Daily. I also own a publishing company set up after other major publishers were threatened with million-dollar lawsuits in a bid to stop The Paradise Conspiracy being released. Incidentally, a security firm hired by TVNZ found my office had been bugged during this time. My home was also broken into on several occasions and the manuscript stolen and the brakes on my car were sabotaged, confirmed by a police investigation. So yeah, I have direct experience investigating and writing about powerful interests. I have won multiple journalism awards. All this to say, everything you are about to hear has been painstakingly examined, confirmed and documented by an experienced investigative journalist. If you want a hard copy of this investigation, get my book Totalitaria from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Otherwise, let's get underway. When we return, the New World Order. Is it a figment of the internet's collective imagination or is it real? I'm Ian Wishart. This is Talking Matters, available on iTunes podcast or our website investigatedaily.com. Back in a moment. More stimulating talk radio. The Ian Wishart Show on live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Welcome back. The New World Order. Chances are if you raise it on a national radio show or in discussions with your friends, there's a uh, collective rolling of the eyes and people look at you as if to say, Are you nuts? Sometimes they will openly say it. The, uh, the mainstream media, my colleagues in the corporate news business, have managed to marginalise claims about the New World Order so well that it's become a standing joke, as this clip of comedian Jim Carrey on America's Jimmy Kimmel show illustrates. Seriously, the time is up. People are hip to this kind of stuff. I, I'm here tonight to blow the lid off it, to be the whistleblower. I'm sick and tired of the secrets and the lies. It is the secret symbol of the Luminati, and you're a part of it. And it is the all-mocking tongue. Yet the New World Order is not actually a laughing matter. It's an emerging zeitgeist. President uh, George Herbert Bush, a member of the Skull and Bone Society, publicly announced the plan on national TV in 1991. Have a listen to this, and in particular how sure he was of the outcome. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Just note there his, uh, his phrasing, and we will be. Uh, but there's another interesting gem from this Bush clip from a quarter century ago. Listen again. We have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. 
The Republican president there is talking about how the New World Order will be enforced by the United Nations peacekeeping forces becoming empowered. Now, fast forward a quarter century to a Democrat president named Barack Obama speaking in September 2015. That's why we should celebrate the fact that later today, the United States will join with more than 50 countries to enlist new capabilities. Infantry, intelligence, helicopters, hospitals, and tens of thousands of troops to strengthen United Nations peacekeeping. Obama's comments were made on the 70th anniversary of the United Nations and around the same time the UN's massive Agenda 2030 was launched, which we'll uh, talk about more a little bit later. But first some context on how President Bush's comments segued into Obama's. What the average person doesn't know is that in uh, 2005 a shadowy but very influential organisation known as Socialist International wrote a report for the United Nations entitled Reforming the United Nations for a New Global Agenda. Socialist International, as its name suggests, is a uh, networking organisation for nearly all of the world's left-wing socialist and communist political parties. It has uh, delegates from the Democratic Party in the USA, as well as the UK, New Zealand, Australian Labour parties and uh, parties across Europe and Asia. Its members have included such left-wing luminaries as former British Prime Minister Gordon Brown and New Zealand's Helen Clark, who's being touted as the next UN Secretary-General to replace Ban Ki-moon. Now, because the majority of the world's left-wing uh, governments include members of Socialist International, the group carries a lot of weight at the United Nations. The report, which I publicised in Investigate magazine in early 2009, calls for a pathway towards essentially a world government controlled by the United Nations. Let me quote. Military force is not a legitimate political instrument except in self-defence or under UN auspices. The development of military capabilities beyond that required for national defence and support of UN action is a potential threat to the security of the people. The international community must provide increased funds for peacekeeping, using some of the resources released by reductions of defence expenditures. So what Socialist International was arguing for was for Western nations to reduce their defence forces and essentially transfer those resources to an army under United Nations control. So if you go back to that clip from the first President Bush, he was a uh, globalist and he foreshadowed the rise of a new world order, as he called it, based in the United Nations system and enforced through its peacekeeping forces. Remember what he said? An order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. And that is exactly what's beginning to unfold. It uh, may have taken nearly 25 years, but the UN has always played a long game. Uh, President Bush tied the New World Order in that uh, clip to the promise and vision of the UN's founders, which is really important because later in the program I'm going to show you what the vision of the UN's founders really was. And it is so bizarre, I guarantee you won't believe it at first, it's unmissable. So what else does the Socialist International briefing paper from 2005 tell us? Uh, quote, Legitimacy requires a certain degree of global democracy that would gradually increase over time. Global democracy, in some fundamental sense, must give equal weight to each human being. In other words, they're talking about some kind of um, a one-person, one-vote system to run the planet. Uh, well, how does that work with large countries and small countries, and uh, <laughs> who's going to dominate? The, the uh, briefing paper goes on. It is important to stress that a United Nations adapted to the needs and realities of the 21st century should be the overall institutional setting for both the political and economic sphere. In other words, the UN should be top of the tree. The current arrangements need to be replaced by new ones. This is your new world order, changing from the post-World War II representation to constituencies, weighted votes and universal participation, and adjusting the policies of those institutions in favour of the actual needs of today's world. 
who decides what the actual needs are. Let's remind ourselves where these recommendations are coming from. The uh, socialist political parties of the world, those who believe in the supremacy of a political and bureaucratic elite, who see people not as free citizens but as workers for the common good, whatever the elite decides that the common good should be. Continuing with the quotes, There is a need to establish on a global coordination level a new United Nations Security Council on Economic, Social and Environmental Issues, a council for sustainable development. It should reflect the world of 2005, says the document, not the world of 1945. The Council for Sustainable Development should be independent of the Security Council and have the same standing with respect to international economic and social matters as the Security Council does in peace and security matters. It should be in a position to improve coordination between international economic, financial, social and environmental policies. Is there anything in that list that you can see that doesn't require global, global control. International economic, financial, social and environmental policies. It will be, quote, a forum aimed at contributing to world social and economic justice, stability and prosperity on the basis of the UN Charter. So not prosperity as you know it, but, but prosperity on the basis of the UN Charter. Note that phrasing. Ten years ago, they were recommending a new United Nations Council for Sustainable Development to focus on economic, social and environmental agendas for the world. If you don't know already, I can tell you that sustainable is an Agenda 21 buzzword designed to psychologically program you to accept it. After all, who can argue with being sustainable? In a world of five-second soundbites aimed to convey emotion, not substance, sustainable means all things to all people. But sustainability in UN terms means control. It means control of what you do, what you eat. Obesity charges, fat tax, sugar, you know, sugar taxes, what you use, where you live, where you go, how many children you are permitted by the state, and even how much money you are allowed to accumulate. If you don't believe me, read my totalitarian book on Amazon. The United Nations plan to rule the world is nothing if not ambitious. Okay, so that was the recommendation 10 years ago. Fast forward to September 2015, and the world's first ever global cinema ad campaign was rolled out with ads promoting the Agenda 2030 sustainability goals playing in every cinema screen in every city in the world. It was like an announcement that they were taking over the planet. Listen to this. Poverty is not natural. It is man-made, and it can be overcome. Now, I can't obviously show you on radio the stirring graphics, but the theme music sounds like it should be in The Empire Strikes Back, so that'll give you a clue. Uh, then they rolled out the global cinema ad itself. That first one was just a teaser. When we come back, I'll play you the next instalment in the global announcement of Agenda 2030. This is a special edition of Talking Matters, available on iTunes or from InvestigateDaily.com or broadcasting on Live365.com. I'm Ian Wishart. Stay with us. You are about to hear an actual audio recording of US President George Bush. The progress we and our friends and allies seek in the broader Middle East will not come easily. Now listen carefully to a portion of the same recording played backwards. The story within the story. Investigate magazine. The climate change debate is not about climate. It's about control. In his explosive new book, Totalitaria, award-winning investigative journalist Ian Wishart 
follows the evidence and exposes the control freaks who want to run your life. See for yourself how climate change is being used as a Trojan horse to hide a raft of massive political and social changes that you haven't been told about. Totalitaria by Ian Wishart. It will change the way you see the world. From Amazon or ianwishart.com. Imagine a world where TV reporters actually gave you the facts, not an agenda. A world where interviewing your keyboard was seen as workplace humor, not a compulsory job requirement. This year, one man will break through the BS. One man will wring the truth out of truthiness. One man will leap tall buildings at a single... More stimulating talk radio. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Welcome back. I'm Ian Wishart. If you want your friends to hear this, tell them to find the Ian Wishart podcast on iTunes. Now, just to recap, we've established that key political leaders like President George Bush Sr. have been pushing for decades for the creation of what they call a new world order. And we'll return to that specifically shortly. But having established that the phrase was coined by heads of state, not conspiracy theorists, we've then explored a little bit of the evolution of the new world order, how it's progressed to the point where it's just been globally announced, under the less intimidating, more warm and fuzzy name, Sustainable Global Goals, in a series of cinema ads playing in every movie theatre on the planet during the last week of September. Now, as the UN boasted on one of the graphics, they reached 7 billion people in 7 days. Well, probably not quite, but that's what they said. It makes the UN sound almost godlike in a way. Keep that in mind, it will become relevant. Now remember, President Bush announced that the coming New World Order will anchor itself in what he called the promise and vision of the founders of the UN. I read you a UN briefing document from Socialist International showing that the vision is a sustainable development council with power to impose global rules on economic, financial, social justice, trade and environmental issues like climate change. All of these things are big ticket items. As the UN often says, global problems require global solutions. You can't solve these problems without imposing global governance. But they're not stupid. President Bush may have said, When we are successful, and we will be. But even he knew they couldn't issue a decree about global governance. They had to soften the public up so they would end up begging for it. Bush spoke in 1991. In 1992, the blueprint document for global control, Agenda 21, was released. Now, buried in its fine print was the revelation that school children would be specifically targeted worldwide to believe in sustainable development and climate change, so they would become disciples for the New World Order. In a minute, I'll play you the cinema ad seen by every child attending a holiday movie in September, but first, let me quote you from page 311 of my book, Totalitaria. It's actually a direct quote from a massive Agenda 21 policy document. Here's what they wrote they were going to do. Quote, Education, including formal education, public awareness and training, should be recognised as a process by which human beings and societies can reach their fullest potential. Education is critical for promoting sustainable development and improving the capacity of the people to address environment and development issues. While basic education provides the underpinning for any environmental and development education, the latter needs to be incorporated as an essential part of learning. Both formal and non-formal education are indispensable to changing people's attitudes, so that they have the capacity to assess and address their sustainable development concerns. It is also critical for achieving environmental and ethical awareness, values and attitudes, skills and behaviour consistent with sustainable development and for effective public participation in decision-making." In short, folks, it's brainwashing. It began in 1992, it rolled out to every Western school system in the world from the USA to New Zealand, And that generation are now the 20-somethings joining climate justice groups and singing Kumbaya. 
it's no accident. But like I said, this past September the New World Order broke cover. It came out of hiding, it flexed its muscles, it admired itself in the daylight. This next version of the global propaganda campaign features Pixar-style cartoon animals attending a secession at the United Nations. And it was squarely aimed at indoctrinating children, just like the planning documents called for. We have a plan. The global goals for people and planet. To end poverty. To fight inequalities. And to defeat climate change. And I am proud to announce the plan is agreed by everyone. The United Nations has launched a plan to fight poverty, injustice, and climate change. Tell everyone. Like I said, it's propaganda on a global scale targeting children. Now that seed was originally planted decades ago, but now it's bearing fruit. So let's return for a moment to those world leaders who called the New World Order into existence. We've heard from Bush, he wasn't alone. Veteran CBS newsman Walter Cronkite was given a Global Governance Award in 1999 for his work in trying to lay the groundwork for a world government. Now in this clip from his acceptance speech at the World Federalist Association, yeah, Federalist Association, he explains how a federal global government can pass laws that the states below them are empowered to enforce in their local communities. Our forefathers believed that the closer the laws are to the people, the better. Cities legislate on local matters, of course. States make decisions on the matters within their borders. And the national government deals with issues that transcend the states, such as interstate commerce, foreign relations. That's what we mean by federalism. Today, we must develop federal structures on a global level to deal with world problems. We need a system of enforceable world law a democratic federal world government. Cronkite told delegates in 1999 how billionaire George Soros was actively trying to help bring in a world government based on the United Nations, where a country's voting power would depend on its population and the amount of money it contributed to UN coffers. The former CBS news anchor then made a prediction about what the future would look like where a world government could hold nation states to account according to the obligations of international treaties they'd signed. But it will be a world where the overwhelming majority of national leaders will consistently abide by the rule of world law if we have our way and can sell our program. And those who won't obey the law, the international law with which we'll be governed, are going to be dealt with effectively and with due process of the structures of that same world law. And that's why I've been warning for several years now, ever since I uh, published my climate change bestseller, Aircon. The issue of climate change is actually a Trojan horse. It's the first move, not the end game of what these guys want. By uh, baiting their hooks with public concern about the climate, they more easily gain political support for the framework of global governance to be slipped in before the public realise what's hit them. Now back in 1999, a network of major international trade deals, treaties and agreements drafted by the United Nations was just a pipe dream. But look at the world today. A TPP agreement's just been signed, a binding climate change treaty's in the wings, and nation states are increasingly looking to the United Nations to set the agenda every day. The key point of the Agenda 2030 Global Goals, for example, is that all countries have already agreed to them, and those goals can't be achieved without global governance. We can be. We must be. The first generation to end extreme poverty. The generation most determined to fight injustice and inequalities. The generation that saves the planet from climate change. And this is how it will get done. The global goals. A 15-year plan for everyone, everywhere. With no one left behind. 
Remember, keep your eye on the ball. They're not telling you in the publicity material that they want to bring in global governance. They avoid that inconvenient detail like the plague, preferring not to scare the herd with things they don't need to know. Instead, uh, they're selling you warm fuzzies, using celebrities, hoping you'll buy into the superficial goals and leave the hard detail to the clever people at the United Nations. Interestingly, Walter Cronkite back in 99 said there would need to be PR campaigns headed by celebrities if they were going to make a run for the finish line. The only way we can do it is to organize a strong educational counteroffensive, stretching from the most publicly visible people in all fields to the humblest individuals in each of our communities. That's the vision and the program of the World Federalist Association. And listen to how polished the spin campaign now is. We will live in a world where there is sustainable energy for everyone. Heat, light, and power for the whole planet. Without destroying the planet. We'll live in a world where economies prosper. A new wealth leads to decent jobs for everyone. And we will live in a world where our industry our infrastructure and our best innovations are not just used to make money but to all make all our, our lives better. We will live in the world where prejudices and extremes of inequality are defeated inside our countries and between different communities. Where people live in cities and communities that are safe, progressive, and support everyone who lives there. Let's take a look at the behind the scenes planning that has led to the UN's global announcement. Here's former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger in a PBS TV interview from 2005 predicting what would happen by 2009. Nevertheless, the United States is in a key position to shape this so that the problem of the Bush presidency will be the emergence of a new international order. Within the next four years, we will see the emergence of a new international the order. The beginning of a new international order. In 2008, President Barack Hope and Change Obama was elected and here are the words he now uses. And by building an international system that imposes a cost on those who choose conflict over cooperation. An order that recognizes the dignity and equal worth of all people. That is the work of seven decades. That is the ideal that this body, at its best, has pursued. But we have pressed forward, slowly, steadily, to make a system of international rules and norms that are better and stronger and more consistent. It is this international order that is unwritten, underwritten, unparalleled advances in human liberty and prosperity. None of this has happened by accident. Political leaders don't choose these keywords randomly. You're literally witnessing the emergence of the new world order into being. And the signs were always there for those who had eyes and ears. Here's US Vice President Joe Biden just a couple of years ago. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Here's former British Prime Minister and Socialist International member Gordon Brown in 2007. All these new challenges are bringing together about the biggest restructuring we have ever seen, not just of the global economy, but of the global order as a whole. And 200 years ago, a famous British Foreign Secretary said that the new world had been called into existence to redress the balance of the old. In 1990, another old world ended, dominated by the Cold War, and people talked then, in 1990, of a new world order. What they actually meant then was a new political order, 
And what was not foreseen then, but is obvious now from everything that we see and do, what we experience in every day of our lives, is the sheer scale and speed and scope of globalization. And it's only now that we can begin to understand that the world order that globalization brings and what it's going to look like, it's driven forward now not just by the balance of military strength, the Cold War times, or ordinary political power, it's being driven forward by a seismic shift in economic power that we see around us. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, a new world is emerging. With peace between and inside countries. Where all governments are open. An answer to us for what they do at home and abroad. And the justice rules. With everyone equal before the law. Where all countries and we their people. Work together. In partnerships of all kinds. To make these a reality for everyone, everywhere. These are the United Nations Global Goals for Sustainable Development. If you've got a friend or family member who's fallen victim to the global warming cult, don't just stand there. Stage an intervention. Ian Wishart's book, Aircon, has been a number one best-selling climate change title on both Amazon.co.uk and Amazon.com, and it's helped believers in global warming to finally see the light. Aircon examines all the main arguments for and against human-caused climate change, and the critics are calling it one of the best books on the subject. Get it for you or a friend in need from Amazon or ianwishart.com. The Ian Wishart Show on live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Talk radio for smart people. Welcome back. If you've uh, just joined us, this is a special edition of the Ian Wishart Show on Live365. You can download it as a full replay from iTunes by searching for the Ian Wishart Show or from our website investigatedaily.com. Feel free to share this far and wide. It's a wake-up call that everyone needs to hear in my view. If you're listening in your car or office or wherever you are in the world right now, thanks for taking the time to get a real heads up on what's happening to all of our lives at this moment, because I promise you, we are all affected by this, even those of us still in denial. Like I said at the top of the program, for those who don't know me, I'm a uh, multi-award winning investigative journalist and best-selling author. I've been a uh, magazine editor, a top-rating talk show host, and a co-producer of the network news on TV. And again, as I said earlier, I say this not to blow my own trumpet, but just to give you some context. What you're listening to is just skimming the surface of the agenda now being rolled out. I cover it in much greater depth, with hundreds of document references you can look up or use yourself in uh, my book Totalitaria, What If the Enemy Is the State? That book's available from Amazon or InvestigateDaily.com's bookshop. Now to recap, what we covered in the first half of this special broadcast was whether the so-called New World Order was a real agenda or just a conspiracy theorist's late-night ranting. I think I've played enough audio clips from world figures to show that the agenda is real. What do we know about it? Well, we know that world government is defined as a federal system, so you will continue to have local councils working at a local level, regional governments or authorities above those, then national governments like those of Australia, New Zealand or the USA. But above them is the World Federation, an increasingly complex web of international treaties binding those national governments and their citizens to the rule of international law. Some of you are probably saying, like uh, Walter Cronkite, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Well, that depends. It depends on who wrote the international law and what it actually does, and I guarantee most of you listening don't have a clue about the detail of the international treaties your country is signing up to. There's an old saying that the devil is in the detail. In this case, that's literally true. Each of these treaties gives a bunch of people who you didn't elect, who you don't even know, and whom you have no legal or political control over, the power to affect your life and your wallet. 
If government is supposed to be of the people, by the people and for the people, what's coming is about as far from that as you can get. It's a return to the days of empire, it's rule from the top down. If I can uh, use another movie analogy, this broadcast and others like it is a little bit like the scene in the first Star Wars movie where the rebels fly out from behind the planet Tatooine only to run smack bang into the Death Star for the first time. The Empire has arrived in your neighbourhood. The system is potentially even more dangerous because to the average person the imposition of global government isn't even obvious. People will still vote for their own governments just as they always have. But the ability of those governments to actually carry out the will of the people will be constrained from here on. Your government won't be able to promote any policy that's incompatible with its treaty obligations under international law. In New Zealand at the moment, our housing supply is under serious pressure because overseas investors, many of whom having never set foot in New Zealand, are being allowed to purchase houses here to use as rental properties. Now these guys are pricing local Kiwis out of the housing market because foreign exchange rates favour the overseas buyers. Their uh, buck carries more bang. This is globalisation in action, and the New Zealand government says it is required under international law to regard foreign buyers under the massive TPP agreement as equal to New Zealand residents. Again, this is globalisation. It's world government in action. It won't matter which political party you elect, they'll be bound by treaty law, or as Walter Cronkite said, they'll suffer the consequences. And those who won't obey the law, the international law with which we'll be governed, are going to be dealt with effectively and with due process of the structures of that same world law. In short, by allowing world government in via the back door, your government has sold your sovereignty. If you go back earlier and listen to Cronkite's definition of world government, you'll realise it's here now. What you are witnessing, and I show this in the Totalitaria book, is the biggest transference of power in world history, where the powers of citizens to elect governments truly representative of their will have been usurped by an elite political and business bureaucracy who've transferred real decision-making powers outside of the control of nation-states, outside of the control of voters. And this has been done without any honest, transparent debate, and most of the public don't even realise. The mainstream media have kept the public in the dark largely because a handful of companies own most global media outlets, and those owners stand to financially benefit from what's coming. If you're relying on mainstream media to inform you about global government, then with the greatest of respect, frankly, you're an idiot and you'll be waiting a long time. I rose to the uh, top rungs of the mainstream media, and my fellow editors know it's worth more than their jobs if they rock the boat. Editors, you see, are highly paid. There aren't a lot of job openings at that level. They've got one eye on the retirement package, and they will tow the establishment line every single time. That's why I gave away a six-figure salary and an executive career path in the mainstream media to become an independent writer financed by book sales. I am beholden to no one but my readers. You are about to hear an actual audio recording of US President George Bush. The progress we and our friends and allies seek in the broader Middle East will not come easily. Now listen carefully to a portion of the same recording played backwards. The story within the story. Investigate magazine. More stimulating talk radio. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Okay, so now we know that the world government agenda is real and almost complete. Are you ready for the most spine-tingling discovery of all, the discovery of what's really behind it? 
You might think it's about world peace and social justice and love, and at a superficial level it is. But while those are the goals being sold to schoolchildren and the public generally, they're not actually the end game. You'll remember President Bush Sr. who said that the New World Order would be based on what he called the promise and vision of the founders of the United Nations. I turn now to that promise and vision. What few people realise is that the people behind the establishment and growth of the UN believed they were on a spiritual mission, not just a political one. As UN Assistant Secretary General Robert Mueller wrote in 1994, No human force will ever be able to destroy the United Nations, for the United Nations is not a mere building or a mere idea. It is not a man-made creation. Think about that for a moment. No human force will ever be able to destroy the United Nations. It is not a man-made creation. And this guy is one of the top moon units at the UN. So if it's not man-made, who do they say is behind the rise of the UN and therefore the New World Order? Is this why President George Skull and Bones Bush was so confident when he said, When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this New World Order. In the book Totalitaria, I trace the origins of Freemasonry several hundred years ago, and in particular, a highly secret offshoot who called themselves the Illuminati. The book details and shows you the documentary evidence that the Illuminati heavily influenced both the French and American revolutions in the late 1700s. Now, the group itself disbanded in the 1820s, but its members returned for the most part to Freemasonry. They were a real group. They don't officially exist anymore, but their ideas have spread far and wide. They believed that they had inherited ancient occult knowledge and that men needed to undergo degrees of enlightenment to transform themselves into godlike status. The more enlightenment you gained, the more wisdom you had, and the higher your transcendence as a result. The greater your transcendence, the more of a perfected being you became. Today we more easily recognise this belief system under the name New Age. If you harbour New Age beliefs, you, yes you, are following the path of initiates to the Illuminati two centuries ago. You are the Illuminati in spirit, even if not in name. Now, if you're struggling with this, read the chapter about the Illuminati and Totalitaria. It uses their own documents to illustrate the points. 200 years ago, the name New Age did not exist. Instead, these beliefs were variously described as atheism or rationalism. The key point was a rejection of the Christian faith's core belief that Jesus Christ was God incarnate and saviour of mankind through his death on the cross and resurrection. No, said the Illuminati and Freemasons, Jesus was not a saviour but a teacher, a master appointed by the great architect of the universe, come to lead the elite toward enlightenment through secret knowledge. Humanity's true destiny, said the Illuminati, was to become enlightened with, this, with these secrets. The elite would become the new masters of the universe, while the general public were considered to have minds too feeble to understand these deep mysteries. Now fast forward to the 1870s and a woman named Helena Blavatsky. Blavatsky, heavily influenced by Freemasonry and Western occultism, claimed to have heard from an ancient spirit entity telling her to begin preparing the world for the return of what she called the coming one. She called her new revelation Theosophy. Now Blavatsky and her followers began by giving the Eastern religion of Buddhism mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. Buddhism, uh, if you don't know, was almost extinct by the 1870s, but Blavatsky went to the monasteries in Sri Lanka, what was now known as Sri Lanka, and infused Buddhism with what we would now call Western New Age beliefs, rebuilding Buddhism from the ground up as an Eastern version of the New Age. What you think you know as Buddhism today, even if you're a Buddhist monk, is actually Blavatsky's theosophy and drag. Her impact on Eastern religion was so big that India and Sri Lanka have both honoured her in postage stamps. Anyway, I digress. By the 1920s, theosophy had infiltrated the mainstream churches, influencing Catholic priest Teilhard de Chardin as just one example. De Chardin essentially decreed that God had not become man, but that through spiritual evolution, man becomes God. At the same time, theosophist Alice Bailey set up the Lucifer Publishing Company in New York and began promoting theosophy and the New Age through a magazine called Lucifer. 
Now, if you're feeling the fur start to rise on the back of your neck, it gets even more Twilight Zone. You recall a couple of moments ago I quoted UN official Robert Mueller boasting that no human force could ever destroy the United Nations. What I didn't mention is that Mueller was a disciple of Blavatsky's and Alice Bailey. Now, although Blavatsky played a key role in spreading Buddhism through Asia and then into Western pop culture, she always saw it as a means to an end. The New Age, she said, or Buddhism or Hinduism, were just alternative pathways to reach God. But that raises the question, which God? Who is the God of Blavatsky and Bailey, the force protecting the United Nations? The answer is found in Blavatsky's book The Secret Doctrine, which I quote at length from in Totalitaria. But here's a direct quote identifying the force protecting the United Nations. Lucifer represents life, thought, progress, civilization, liberty, independence. Lucifer is the Logos, the serpent, the saviour. She later said, It is Satan who is the real god of our planet and the only god. She also said, The celestial virgin which thus becomes the mother of God and devils at one and the same time, for she is the ever-loving beneficent deity. But in antiquity and in reality, Lucifer or Luciferius is the name. Lucifer is the divine and terrestrial light, the Holy Ghost and Satan at one and the same time. My thanks there to the producer of the YouTube documentary Exposed United Nations One World Religion. I thought his voice would give you a break from mine. But I'm sure you picked up the main point. The divine spirit that Theosophy, Buddhism and the New Age believe gives an ultimate enlightenment, and which millions try to tap into via meditation, is known by many names in many different religions, but ultimately, they say, his real identity is Lucifer or Satan. By the way, you can complain all you like at this point, but the evidence is crystal clear. Go and read the sources in Totalitaria. It actually doesn't matter whether you or I personally believe in God, Lucifer, the New Age, or the Easter Bunny, or whether we're atheists. The point is that the people running the UN believe it, and they're firmly in control of establishing their long-planned New World Order. Now, the Lucifer Publishing Company changed its name to Lucis Publishing, owned by the Lucis Trust. The Lucis Trust was for a long time based inside the United Nations, and it remains a major affiliated NGO. More significantly, it administers a giant iron altar dedicated to, and I quote, the God who is worshipped in so many forms. I'll say that again, the God who is worshipped in so many forms. Heard that phrase before, haven't we? That altar is directly underneath the UN General Assembly Chamber. It was constructed by UN Secretary General Dag Hammarskjöld, based on precise measurements from the occult. In essence, deep within the United Nations is an altar to Satan. UN Secretary General Kofi Annan even got married at that altar, and it was the first place Ban Ki-moon went to after becoming the current leader of the UN. Which makes it very odd that Pope Francis, addressing the United Nations recently, paid special tribute to Dag Hammarskjöld, who installed Lucifer's altar. In particular, today I would like to recall those who have given their lives for peace and reconciliation among peoples, from Dag Hammarskjöld. And it's even stranger that Francis used two of Satanist Helena Blavatsky's keywords, wisdom and transcendence, in that same speech. Listen to this. Now, such understanding and respect call for a higher degree of wisdom, one which accepts transcendence. Pope Francis's decision to praise Dark Hammarskjöld and call for wisdom and transcendence in the implementation of Agenda 2030, the New World Order Framework, was no accident. It was a declaration for those smart enough to understand the hidden symbolism. Lucifer is in the building. Now, a while ago I explained that the UN Sustainability Goals just announced are based on warm and fuzzy notions of ending poverty, ending war, uniting the world and healing the planet. Most people would see those as the end goals, but they're not. The New Age High Priests at the United Nations believe that if they can get enough people and enough positive vibrations from warm fuzzy goals like this, 
that the coming one, Lucifer, will return to rule the earth through the United Nations. I kid you not. Here's an interview with Sarah McKechnie of the Lucis Trust from the excellent video Exposed, Lucis Trust President Speaks. Listen to this. It's the world teacher, and the writings of Alice Bailey say this entity will come, this time for the whole of humanity, that before this world teacher can return, there has to be a true sharing of resources on the part of humanity and the growth of goodwill in the world. And as well, we have to see some signs that the political and religious systems are willing to clean house. And I think we can certainly look at what's going on, say, in the Catholic Church and in the political field and realize that there is house cleaning going on. Which brings us back to the visit of Pope Francis to the United Nations, where he urged the world to embrace Agenda 2030, uh, the rise of international law and globalization. Uh, as a way of um, bringing on human brotherhood or fraternity, he called it. Every one of these political, juridical and technical advances is a path towards attaining the ideal of human fraternity and a means for its greater realization. To repeat the words of Pope Paul VI, the edifice of modern civilization has to be built on spiritual principles, for they are the only ones capable not only of supporting it, but also of shedding light on it. It is interesting there how, as well as endorsing the New World Order goals, Pope Francis mentions his predecessor, Pope Paul VI, who, in a gesture few remember today, prayed at the altar to Lucifer inside the United Nations during his historic 1965 visit, where he also pledged the Church's allegiance to the spirit embodied by the United Nations. Paul VI was a Freemason. You can read the proof from a Vatican document in my Totalitaria book. Now, when Paul talked of spiritual values shedding light, he was directly referencing Lucifer, which means light-bearer in Latin. If you think all these symbolic references to the New Age by Pope Francis were an accident, then you need to explain why he praised Catholic monk Thomas Merton, a man like his mentor Teilhard de Chardin, who promoted New Age concepts of God. In short, Merton's beliefs were Luciferian, not Christian. So again I ask the question, why did Pope Francis single him out for endorsement unless he was sending a signal? Listen to this. The Cistercian monk Thomas Merton. He remains a source of a spiritual inspiration and guide for many people. Merton was, above all, a man of prayer, a thinker who challenged the certitudes of this time and opened new horizons for souls for the church. He was also a man of dialogue, a promoter of peace between peoples and religions. You're listening to Talking Matters, the Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com, stimulating talk radio. I know that sitting in traffic or listening as you go about your daily business, this all seems surreal. The sun is still rising each morning, I must be mistaken, right? I'm not. I get that this sounds like invasion of the body snatchers, but the Pope really is endorsing people whose real focus of worship is Lucifer, more commonly known as, aka, the devil. It's ironic, because the Christian Bible predicts the end times will arrive when the Antichrist takes control of the world. 
It's especially ironic because a bunch of New Agers who explicitly don't believe in the Christian Bible are trying to raise global consciousness, love, and good planetary vibrations so that their own Messiah, a figure the founders of the New Age movement admit is Lucifer, can return to rule the world. And the world's political leaders are in the process of finalizing the legal framework for global government. You can't make this stuff up. The Lucist Trust try to get around it by telling anyone who'll listen that Lucifer is actually the good guy. So Lucifer to Blavatsky was one of the great sacrificial beings who descended to earth. That's where we get the idea of the fall. That was the descent of the solar angels to earth as an act of sacrifice on our behalf. So you can see if you even have a willingness to consider this doctrine, how skewed it has been by the uh, more modern connotation of evil and Satanism and corruption. It's, it's not seen that way at all in the ageless wisdom. So Lucifer is just a misunderstood solar angel who truly loves humanity. As you can imagine, this idea is generating a bit of a kickback on the internet as this video commentary from a YouTube channel named Soldier of God shows. If you want to call it Satan, Samirimus, Isis, the serpent, it doesn't matter. And it recruits them and tells them how much it loves them. Do you understand that evil is going to come in the name of love? You think it's stupid? It's going to come in the name of hate? No! The number one thing that evil will push on you is love and how much it loves you. Just like the guy trying to get sex in a bar, telling the girl how much he loves her and how he'll respect her in the morning. Satan plagiarizes to recruit, to entice, to seduce. It plagiarizes the creator. Just love me. Do whatever you want. Just love me. And I'll love you back. We can be. We must be the first generation to end extreme poverty. The generation most determined to fight injustice and inequalities. The generation that saves the planet from climate change. And this is how it will get done. The global goals. A 15-year plan for everyone, everywhere. With no one left behind. The Lucis Trust Sarah McKechnie says humans should embrace what's coming. The term one world government is much more subjective in its significance in the books of Alice Bailey. It doesn't mean a political system that uh, nations would follow, but rather a kind of a spiritual view or perspective that sees the coalescing of all the nations of the world in unity. And that's what the United Nations stands for. But we have always supported the United Nations for its spiritual objectives. But let's say there uh, was such a thing as a new world order, one world government, globalist agenda, that sort of thing. Do you think the teachings of the arcane school would be the ideal teaching to bring out spirituality and what we would need to have a successful one world view? Well, I would elaborate on that idea by not giving the arcane school the credit. I would say the teachings or the principles of the ageless wisdom, yes, are enough to provide at least um, a template for the world to live in more harmony and unity. As you listen to this program, I want you to be aware of something. I'm giving you the opportunity to deprogram yourself from what is effectively a kind of population-level mind control. As you look around at your family, friends and work colleagues, in real life or online, you'll begin to recognize people who, through no obvious fault of their own, have been drinking this Kool-Aid for years until it's dulled their senses. Take a look at what passes for entertainment on TV. Take a real hard look. These programs and films are made by corporate media who, for the most part, are subsidiaries of the even bigger global corporations that control the world economy. What's good for them is good for, well, them. 
<laughs> what are the messages being beamed into the living rooms of everyone on the TV each night? Now look at the channels your young children watch. Virtually every single kids' show, even on Nick Jr. and Disney Jr., contains New Age themes. If you look really closely, you can find occult symbols drawn into some individual cartoon frames, almost like a kind of subliminal advertising. My first reaction is why bother? But clearly they have bothered. Again, it's ironic because popular culture treats Christianity as a fairy story and says children should no longer be exposed to it. But we replace it with fairy stories where every second character uses magic to achieve their goals, and their goals are always kind and loving. Our culture's reached the point where the name Jesus Christ is a swear word, and no mention of the Christian culture or its role in our civilization is ever to be made in schools. Yet the teaching in classrooms that all religions are equal, except Christianity, is now virtually compulsory. If you read my book Totalitaria, or its prequel Eve's Bite, you'll see how children are being reprogrammed in the media and schools so they share an automatic, and automatic, affinity with the spiritual goals of the New World Order. And it's all being done in the name of love and tolerance. Talk about a spoonful of sugar disguising bad medicine. Do you understand that evil is going to come in the name of love? You think it's stupid? It's going to come in the name of hate? No! Satanist Alice Bailey, whose teachings have been a core belief of nearly every UN Secretary General, wrote that the unfolding of the New World Order will see the nations politically coming together at the same time as a new religion drawing strands from all the major faiths gain dominance. She wrote, There will not be any dissociation between the Universal Church, the Sacred Lodge of all true Masons, and the inner circles of the esoteric societies. In this way, the goals and work of the United Nations shall be solidified, and a new Church of God, led by all the religions and by all the spiritual groups, shall put an end to the great heresy of separateness. Evidence of the growth of the human intellect along the needed receptive lines can be seen in the planning of various nations and in the efforts of the United Nations to formulate a world plan. From the very start of this unfoldment, three occult factors have governed the development of all these plans. If you still think that somehow this isn't happening, consider TV personality Oprah Winfrey. She was almost single-handedly responsible for the huge promotion of the New Age book The Secret, and in the USA, she's just begun broadcasting a new TV series called Belief, which aims to highlight the similarities between the world's religions and push the common belief message. Listen to this. My confidence comes from knowing there is a force, a power, greater than myself, that I'm a part of, and is also a part of me. We're all interconnected. We're all in this together. I start questioning things. Why is it like this? Is God the person with the old white beard? I just fell really hard. I don't want to be carrying that anymore. To ask these questions is really the privilege of being human. Hope is the simple belief that things can change. I don't know why, I just know I have to be there. I just have to be there. It's up to you to believe. Although Oprah has claimed to be Christian in the past. I, I am a Christian. That is my faith. I'm not asking you to be a Christian. If you want to be one, I can show you how. <laughs> but it is not required. I have respect for all faiths. All faiths. But what I'm talking about is not faith or religion. I'm talking about spirituality. So I want to get clear on what I mean by that. It means my definition is 
living your life with an open heart through love. Living your life with an open heart, allowing yourself to align with the values of tolerance, acceptance, of harmony, of cooperation, and reverence for life. Life. Now, there is a force, energy, consciousness, divine thread, I believe, that connects all spiritually to all of us, to something greater than ourselves. She has nevertheless denied the exclusivity of Christ, who famously said in John 14, verse 6 in the Bible, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oprah proclaims this is not true, that Jesus Christ was lying. Her loving and her kindness and her generosity, brings her. To, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be on that, I mean, it's, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, I there could possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? There is one way, and only one way, and that is through Jesus. There couldn't possibly be with a million people in the world. There couldn't possibly be. Because you say, you intellectualize it and say there isn't. If you don't believe that, you're all buying into the lie. Imagine a world where TV reporters actually gave you the facts, not an agenda. A world where interviewing your keyboard was seen as workplace humor, not a compulsory job requirement. This year, one man will break through the BS. One man will wring the truth out of truthiness. One man will leap tall buildings at a single... More stimulating talk radio. The Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Talk radio for grown-ups. Welcome back. I'm Ian Wishart and this is the Talking Matters Show on Live365. Also available as a download from iTunes or InvestigateDaily.com. Tell your friends it's one hour that could change their lives. So in conclusion... What are we to make of all this? What I've brought you in the special edition is just the tip of the iceberg. If you want to read the full story, read Totalitaria. But here's what we've covered tonight, today, in this broadcast. Wherever it is in the world that you're listening, it's somewhere it's nighttime, somewhere it's daylight. But uh, what have we covered? We've looked at, first of all, the New World Order. Is it real or is it just a conspiracy theorist's fantasy? Well, I think I've established tonight in the first half of this program that the New World Order is a real concept. It's been around for several hundred years. It is coalescing into existence as we speak. Major political leaders have spoken of it and spoken it into existence. Uh, Walter Cronkite, the CBS News uh, man who's a person pushing world government, uh, said that the new world order, world government, would come about when all countries uh, were bound by the international law and agreed to abide by international law. Well, you've seen that emerge with the Agenda 2030 Sustainability Goals. You've seen that emerge with the TPP agreement. You've seen, you're seeing it emerge with the uh, climate change treaty that's uh, up for negotiation in Paris. And the every year, the net just gets a little bit tighter on the climate treaty because the climate treaty is based on international law. That's the reality of it. Don't get me started on climate change. That's another program, another debate, and I will go into that in detail in a future show. But for now, uh, just accept that the real issue with the climate change debate is not actually the changing climate, it is the international law that is brought in to uh, administer the climate change treaty. That's what the federalists want, that's what the world government people want. That's what we've covered in the first part of this program. The second part of this program was the why. Why do they want a new world order? Why do they want a global governance system? And as I've shown you in this broadcast, 
They want it to control the public. They want it because they believe it is the best thing for the planet. They want it because of their own spiritual beliefs. They believe in doing good, but you can do the wrong thing for the right reasons. The people behind this, even though I call them Satanists, Luciferians, they're not people who are actively going out there trying to harm, in a physical sense, humanity. They believe they're acting in the right way. They believe they're acting for the right reasons. The question of whether they're right or wrong comes down to your spiritual beliefs. Is anybody worshipping Lucifer and saying he's a misunderstood angel, someone that you want in charge of the planet? Well, that's the question you've got to ask yourself. Uh, as I said in the, in the show, it is absolutely ironic that the Christian Bible prophesies Armageddon coming when the Antichrist rises up to take control of the world under a world system. Uh, and here we have the New Age belief system trying to control the world, working through the United Nations to do so, indoctrinating United Nations officials into their belief system, and believing that if they generate enough positive vibes and love and, and uh, goodwill in humanity, that they will bring about the reappearance of Lucifer. Or as Helena Blavatsky called it, Lucifer and Satan are one and the same, and Satan is the god of our planet, the one and only god. Is that the future that you want? Because there's two levels of harm here. If these people are correct in their beliefs, then they're trying to invoke the devil, trying to raise the ultimate demon. And, and you've got to worry about that. But they are, the point about this is the politicians who are buying into this, and that's pretty much all of them, are putting your tax money at risk. They're putting your future at risk. They're putting everything on the line for this world governance system. This is the time for you to start waking up. Smell the coffee. Listen to shows like this. Read books like Totalitaria and Eve's Bite or Aircon. Get informed. Because this is going to affect your life. It's going to affect your life in the natural sense because of the, the Agenda 2030 goals, the sustainability goals, will have a massive financial impact on every household in the world, particularly in Western countries like New Zealand and the USA and, and what have you, with property values, uh, where you're allowed to live, how much you're allowed to travel, what carbon allowance you're allowed to have, all of these things. And you are handing over control to these people. But it will also have an impact on you spiritually. 90% of the world has a spiritual belief of some kind. 10% of the world are atheists. Well, if you're one of the 10%, here's the bad news. <laughs> what's, what's unfolding is happening regardless of whether you believe it or not. The people who are seeking to control this planet have a new age belief system and they believe that they are reconjuring up the spirit of Lucifer. Now, you may think that's argy-bargy, but it's your tax money they're playing with and it's your freedom that they're playing with. It's your life that they're playing with. If you're a Christian, you know very well what this means. So there is no place to hide from this particular development. There is nowhere you can run to. There is nowhere you can go and suck your thumb and curl up with a rug because that option's not open to you. The only option open to you is getting to the bottom of the spiritual debate, finding out truth, and working out where you fit in the scheme. Which side will you choose? I'm Ian Wishart. This is Talking Matters on Live 365, a special edition. Thank you for joining us. I hope it's been uh, food for thought, food for debate.
The purpose of this program was not to convert you one way or the other, but to enlighten you, to make you aware of what's happening. Because this is the stuff of, as I said at the start, late night comedy shows, conspiracy theory, radio shows. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy fact. It is a convergence. It is a whole set of things that have come together for this moment in history, this moment in time. They could only come together at this moment in time. And you're witnessing it. So I hope you've enjoyed the program. Tell your friends. Spread it around. God bless. change debate is not about climate, it's about control. In his explosive new book, Totalitaria, award-winning investigative journalist Ian Wishart follows the evidence and exposes the control freaks who want to run your life. See for yourself how climate change is being used as a Trojan horse to hide a raft of massive political and social changes that you haven't been told about. Totalitaria by Ian Wishart. It will change the way you see the world. From Amazon or ianwishart.com. You're listening to Talking Matters, the Ian Wishart Show on Live365.com. Stimulating talk radio.